0: And tonight that's coming from John chapter 7, uh, sorry, chapter 10, verses 7 to 18. Uh, In the Bibles in front of you, it's uh, page 870, or of course on the screen behind me. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep than not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Thank you,
1: Doug. Well, friends, this is a time where we're going to work through God's word together. And so before we do that, I'm going to pray. Please pray with me. Our good and our gracious God, we thank you for your word. Uh, And we thank you so much that you've given it to us. Uh, We thank you that it teaches us about your gospel, your good news to us. We pray tonight that my words are yours. Spirit, please speak through me, and please work in the lives of us here or across the screen. As a result of coming before your word tonight, may we more deeply, richly know your gospel and know what it means to live as your people in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now in your life, however long you've lived... I'm sure there's times where you've heard something or had a message that in some way was life-changing. It may have been for a small moment, it may have changed the trajectory of your life, but what are the messages or the news or something that was news that you've heard that has changed your life? Now, when I ask people this question throughout the week, most of the time people thought of kind of the grand, more negative examples that came up, like you heard someone had cancer, Or in a job, we're letting you go. I'm breaking up with you. Maybe there was a a news of a car accident in your family. If you're living the other side of the world, you may have heard we're being invaded by another country. That kind of thing, that news would change your life. But there's also more positive news that can happen. Now we had uh, Valentine's Day this week. Some people got some positive news as a result of Valentine's Day. Some people maybe didn't get some news that wasn't so positive. Perhaps you got some positive news, like someone said, I brought you coffee, and that changed your life for that brief moment. Maybe it is that someone said, I'm here with you, and I'll be with you, no matter what. Maybe someone said to you, "Uh, you've you've got the job. Whatever it may be, in various stages and moments of our life, we hear news that, in a sense, change us. They're life-changing in some way, shape, or form. Now at Nawi, and if you're a Christian, you would know that the gospel is the greatest, the best life-changing message that you can hear. Primarily because it's not just a message, it's about a person and about a relationship that's now possible with God. And not just possible for eternity, but possible in this moment and then into eternity. And as we get transformed by this message, we want others to be transformed by this message, to be transformed uh, into the image of God, to be on about worshipping him because we know how good it is, we know how life changing. And so that's what this series is about. We wanna to continue to center ourselves on the gospel and what it means to go and share it. And so the purpose of this sermon, what you and I are gonna to explore tonight, is in a sense to get to the heart of the matter. We're gonna look directly at the gospel, what it means to, to embrace it. Because as we go about going, we really find ourselves with a two-edged challenge. When we go and share the gospel, there's two things going on. We need to embrace the gospel deeply for ourselves, But then also to be credible, effective witnesses, we we need to know how to share it effectively and meaningfully. So that's what you and I are going to explore tonight. Those two sections, knowing and embracing the gospel, to then how it is that we can go and reach others with that gospel. So the first part, embracing the life-changing message of the gospel. For anything, anything life-changing, you need to know why. Uh, if you don't know, need or have a desire, it's not going to change your life. You need to know why. Now, when I was younger, uh, I loved cricket. And when I was 10, uh, I'd only ever played backyard cricket, but I decided I'd love to go and play uh, for a team. So I lived just locally. I went down to play for Penshurst West uh, down at Olds Park. Now, when you're 10 and you've only ever played backyard cricket with a tennis ball, you think you're an amazing batter. And little Maddie, he thought he was an amazing batter, right? Now, I went into the nets, I kitted up, got all the pads on and stuff. And they said, Matt, do you want a helmet? No, no, no I don't need a helmet, we're just bowling spin. Here I am, batting, bowling away. I do a pull shot, which is this one. It comes off the top edge, whacks me in the right eye, fall to the ground, go off to hospital, big black eye. In that moment, I acutely knew why I needed to wear a helmet, right? It was very obvious to me. Now, when it comes to the gospel, we might not know that we need it, but we have this searching within us. We have this longing. We, have, we experience pain. We experience brokenness. We experience all forms of problems and trials in life. And so every single person looks for something. They look for something to to address that need. We all search. We need a story in order to make sense of our world, to make sense of our life, what is going on around us. And we not only need something in order uh, to address the pain, but we need something good, something beautiful and something true. Everyone is searching for that life-changing message. And we know at the pinnacle of that and what transcends all of it is the gospel. Whether people know we need it or not, we all need God. We need Jesus. We need that true, good, and beautiful gospel. So what is it? Now, we talk about the gospel all the time. It's regular language uh, that we use. In its most basic sense, it's just it, gospel means an announcement, an announcement of good news. The gospel is simply the good news about Jesus coming to the glory of God for the good of us, the good of this world. Simple. But also the gospel is incredibly deep and rich and vast. You can never exhaust it. You never outgrow it, but you can grow deep in it. And so in many ways, and many people before me have said, the gospel is like a diamond that you can look at in so many different ways and you get always the diamond, but different perspectives and beauty to it. So as we go through this section, I want to look at four different ways of kind of viewing the gospel, four different contributions to how we understand it. The first thing to look at is what Jesus says. What does Jesus say about the gospel? Now, there's so many things that he says, he has heaps of words. Uh, but in the gospel of John, in the, the biography of Jesus, in a, in a sense, in John, uh, he says a number of very poignant things. The first one is John three sixteen, something that we're all quite familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall never die but have eternal life. In the Bible reading then that Doug had read for us, you hear about this good shepherd, a shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep, a shepherd who's so different to everybody else that goes before him and after him because he cares for the sheep. He loves them. He makes the way to the Father. He comes to bring life. And he lays down his life for the people. And then later in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there's so many other verses, so many other things that Jesus says. But just in those ones alone, you can see that God deeply loves people. He deeply loves this world. But there's a big problem, and so he sent Jesus Sent send Jesus to die, to rise again, to bring us back the opportunity to have a relationship with him again. Now the second kind of view of the gospel is how is the apostles described it. So the first Christians, your first brothers and sisters, when they went out, what were they saying? What do they say the gospel was about? It doesn't um, contradict, it just deepens. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15. Now it's an early creed. Our first brothers and sisters would say this uh, to one another. says this, Paul passes it on as something of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. Deep historical true fact is what they were accounting to one another, and that God has been in this business talking about it for a long time. Then in the story of Acts, uh, when they were first going out, this story of how the church began and how people came and heard the gospel, there's this one moment where Peter is before the the religious, the political leaders who are out to get him. And he just outlays the the Old Testament story that leads to Jesus and says, but you killed him, you crucified him, but God raised him back from the dead. And then Peter says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which mankind may be saved. Again, central to Jesus, his life, his death, resurrection, the Bible moving towards him. And then as Paul writes letters, one that, there's so so much that contributes. But in Ephesians, uh, he gives a wonderful short explanation. In Ephesians 2 he says this, We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we're dead in transgressions, is by grace you have been saved. And you'll continue on later, it's through faith, not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. This is the effect of the gospel, once dead, now alive, through Jesus. And then we have the third way to view it. And the third way to view the gospel or that contributes to our understanding, is the whole Bible story. How is it the whole Bible story helps us to understand this beautiful and good news? There's lots of ways to break it up, but a helpful one is just creation, fall, Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and then the return, and the new heavens and new earth. Because where the gospel, in a sense, begins is in creation. When God made the world, he made people, and he made us in relationship with him, and we were made good. That's where it begins. But then humanity decided, no, we don't want relationship with God anymore. In a sense, we think we can do better on our own. We're deceived, and so we look for goodness, look for greater things outside God, and so sin comes into the world, because our relationship with God is broken. And as sin comes in, evil, pain, depravity comes into the world, which is what you and I experienced since then. But then Jesus comes, and part of what he does, central to what he does, is a redemption, a rescue mission, in which he's restoring that relationship that we have with God, which is what he's talking about, what we've seen before in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But then there's the return and the new creation, because this isn't all that there is. There is something more to come. Paul will talk about how we see in a mirror dimly, but soon we will see fully. Because there's still pain, there's still problems that we experience here in this earth, but God says there's something coming. And for all those who trust in him, they will enjoy and be in relationship with him forever. And all those who are not are eternally separated from him. So then the fourth way that we can understand the gospel is through some of our contemporary brothers and sisters who have brought all that kind of stuff together and put it put into nice, neat sentences, in a sense. Packaged it together in a way that's helpful for us to understand. Rebecca Pippet, uh wrote, I'll give you three. Uh, Rebecca Pippett has written the first one. She's written an awesome book called Stay Salt. I've uh, written another book many years ago, if you're a bit older, called uh, Out of the Salt Shaker. And in it, she says this, At its simplest, the gospel is the announcement of what God has done in history through the person of Jesus, who came from heaven to earth for everyone who has ever lived and ever will live. It is the surprising movement of God into human history, recorded in the Bible and collimating in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a helpful way of understanding the gospel. And in her book, she said she recited this to herself every day, just soaking in it, helping her to have this deep in her soul. Another woman by the name of Corey Heddington, a leader in one of the American churches, she says this, different but helpful. God is real. God is alive. God wants to be in a life-transforming, eternal relationship with all people, and that relationship has been made possible through the reconciling action of Jesus Christ. And then N.T. Wright, another very helpful uh, brother of ours who's written a lot uh, to help us as the church. He says this. We are inviting people into a whole new way of understanding human experience in God. A whole new way of life rooted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. These are different ways to understand the one gospel. It's something good, it's something beautiful, and it's something true. That is the beauty of the gospel. Transcends anything and everything that we could find. And so if we are to go, if we are to people who go with this beautiful, good message, have it impact us, and to impact others, first we need to immerse ourselves in the gospel. Know it deeply, soak in it. Have it transform every aspect of our life. The more our affections, our allegiance grows for Jesus, the more we center ourselves on his gospel, uh, the more then we'll be effective as his witnesses and able to reach out to others who don't know him. That's the first part, reaching in, in a sense. But then now we're going to think about how it is that we reach out. Now, in a, in a sense, as we grow and as we have those moments of adoration and joy in our relationship with God, as we soak ourselves in the gospel, there'll be a sense that we, it'll just naturally flow out of us to a degree. But also, we need to think about, oh, how? How can I share it? How can we share this beautiful good news? How can we be effective and meaningful in the way that we go about it? Now, in sharing the gospel, it's something that we call evangelism. Now, for some of us, that word is like, oh, it like shivers up your spine. Other times, it's like, yeah, cool, that's, that's what we're on about. Now, when we talk about evangelism, we're talking about sharing the gospel. Now, Rebecca puts, um, talks about three things that we're doing when we share the gospel, which is very helpful. She says, evangelism is the act of sharing the good news of Jesus in one word, so speaking about it, two, in deeds, so in actions, things that we do, and then thirdly, in invitation, calling people to come and investigate him, to ultimately come and trust him as Lord and Saviour. They're the kind of essential things to biblical evangelism, speaking about it, living out the gospel, inviting people to come and embrace Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. But how that happens, how you and I go about it, is going to look different. And it's going to look different almost every single time. Sometimes it's going to be a moment at an event or a conference Sometimes it's in a sermon. Other times, it's not those things at all. I love how Mike Frost puts it. He says this, evangelism is more like a conversation. It's not usually some big event or occasion uh, or peculiar thing that happens, which means, oh, now I get to talk to you about Jesus, as distinct from talking in a natural, winsome, conversational way about how I make sense of my world through the lens of the gospel. Just as we talk about Jesus, that is sharing him. How we talk, how we live. And it just happens in the conversations that you and I have. And that means there is no set formula. There is no particular thing that you must do and must say. It has to be centered on Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection in some way, shape, or form. But there's no exact formula to use. You think about how Jesus went about it. When Jesus went around sharing about the kingdom of God coming, sharing about him being Lord and Saviour, he did it different all the time. Sometimes he would literally say, you, Nathaniel, come, follow me. Other times he'd share a teaching about this. He'd share a teaching about that. It'd be a parable about wheat. Then it's a parable about sheep. Then it's a parable about lamps. It's a parable about all sorts of things. Different every time. And when you ask Jesus a question, what are you most likely to get back? A question. A question. The way that Jesus engaged in evangelism was different depending on who he was talking to. He knew the gospel deeply. He's the center of it. But the way he went about it was particular to who it was he was speaking to. And then when you get to the first Christians, the apostles, the ones we read about in Acts and the New Testament, they do a very similar thing, very similar thing to Jesus. Now, the best examples come in Acts, and the stories of how the, the church went out. And two great examples come in Acts 13 and then 17. In Acts 13, Jesus, uh, Paul is chatting with a bunch of Jewish people. So people who know the God of the Bible well, and who know the stories, who know all that's going on in the Bible, but they don't understand Jesus yet. And so using the Bible, he helps them see who Jesus is, talks about his life, death and resurrection. But then a couple of weeks later, maybe a month or two, we don't know exactly how long, but on the same journey, he goes to Athens And he does it in a completely different way. He doesn't start with the Bible at all. He starts with their prophets and their sayings and their statues and their religious way of thinking. And then is able to show how Jesus brings meaning and fulfillment and greater than what it is uh, they are doing. Both Jesus and Paul deeply knew the gospel. They were immersed themselves in the gospel. But they deeply knew and were thoughtful about who it was that they were uh, sharing the gospel with. They thought deeply about who they were engaging with and then shared the gospel accordingly. Now, sharing the gospel is a little bit like building with Lego. Does anyone love Lego? I love Lego. Lego Masters, anybody watch Lego Masters? I'm seeing some smiles. Some people love it. I'm with you. Now, let's say this is a shot from the Lego Masters Lego room. Say, for example, the Lego Masters are given the task of building a car, and they can build the most incredible cars. So they would go into that room, and they'd find all the best spits. and these Lego Masters have the best techniques, and they have the best creativity, and they've got access to it all. But they don't use all of it. They use parts of it. Little bits and pieces and, and central things that they're like, this is going to be best for me to make a car. It's the same when we do evangelism, when we share the gospel. We go to the source, we go to the Bible, we walk in step with the Spirit. We understand what are the helpful ways, the right ways. But then what are the particular things, the particular techniques, the particular ways that's going to be best for me to reach us, to reach a particular person? There is no formula. We think about the gospel, we think about who we're sharing it with. Now, for all this talk about no formulas, there is a place for learning some gospel presentations, for learning some of the methods and the ways and having a, a bit of map that you can use and adapt uh, for people as we share. Now, Ange actually did a very helpful sermon on this in a couple a couple months back on the 6th of August. If you know it, up, 6th of August. And so if you want to look at some very helpful gospel presentations, go to YouTube, look that up, find where Ange's sermon is and have a look at that. Uh, He went through four ways of understanding some gospel presentations. But through all of it, through angels' presentations, through the way the apostles did it, through the way that Jesus did it, it's always central to Jesus. And friends, we also need to remember that Jesus is relevant to every single person. Sometimes I definitely am caught in this and I know we are too at times, is that we're like, yeah, Jesus is good, he's right, he's true but I don't really know how he's relevant to this person. Or maybe he's not quite relevant to that person. You know, their truth, their truth, my truth, my truth. Sometimes we get caught in that kind of thinking. But Jesus is relevant and necessary to every single person. And that rang so true for me in the back end of last year. In the back end of last year, I was, um, you affirmed me, ordained me, and then I went to the Baptist Association, I got accredited. So on a Friday night, Very formal occasion, very godly. Lots of prayers and commitments and and all these kind of things. That was on Friday night. On Saturday morning, I drove off for a weekend away with the soccer boys. Now that is the opposite of what just happened on Friday night. Amongst the kind of revelry and all other ungodly things that were going on. Um, Not by me, of course. (laughs) But in some sense, it's one of the most missional things I do all year. I play soccer with these guys, play football with them. Uh, I have for years. But on that weekend, I remember having a number of conversations. The first one was with a Colombian guy, lived in Colombia, uh, has a very Catholic cultural heritage. I was talking to him about faith and life and his upbringing and how, how he understands God and this kind of stuff. He was in a sense leading the conversation. And as it went on, I got to share about Jesus and His life, his death, the grace that God offers us. And I say, well, we're not earning salvation. It is received and not achieved. It's all by what we call God's grace. And I distinctly remember their conversation stopped and he looked at me. And I can't impersonate him, but like he laughed. He was like, (laughs) "Like, that can't be true, Matt. There is no way that is true. What you're telling me can't be. I'm like, mate... This is the absolute beauty of the gospel. We don't earn it. We don't achieve it. We receive it. Then I was talking to a secular English guy from England come to Australia, really secular, very anti-religion, very anti-Jesus. But this guy, he's larger than life, but full of fear. Full of fear and anxiety. It's just deep within. And he was sharing about some of that stuff. And I could listen to him and, and care as I could. Then I was able to share about in my fears and my insecurities, I have a God who loves me and I can find peace and security in him. And then I was chatting to my Slovakian mate from uh, his second generation. So he's hardworking, seeing his parents come to a straight with nothing. Hardworking, loves his job, loves his family, but is feeling a little bit lost in it all. I was able to share with him how it is the gospel brings meaning and purpose to our work and to our family, and actually make something far more beautiful out of it than you can find elsewhere. Now, I am not the greatest evangelist in the world. In no way. There's plenty of times that I don't know the best way to answer these guys. There's plenty of times that I'm there and I'm nervous. I'm worried, man, is this going to change the way that they relate to me? I'm sitting there having conversations with them and going, man, I wish this other Christian is much better than me could share with them. I have those thoughts running through my mind. But in that moment, in that time, God decided to give me the opportunity. And so I just share Jesus as I can. And friends, we need to remember as we go out and share about Jesus, we're responsible for the sharing, but God is responsible for the saving. We work hard, we labor, we toil, we pray, we think meaningfully. We share, we're responsible for that part. God works through us, but we have responsibility there. But God is responsible for the saving, not us, not me. And so we, you, me, might feel inadequate. We might not feel like we know enough. We probably lack confidence at times. And even amongst that, we genuinely want people to know and love Jesus. We have that heart, but we feel all these fears can I encourage you, just share Jesus as you can. Share Jesus as you can. Whatever you know, whatever your understanding of the gospel is in this moment, whatever kind of testimony that you have, just share Jesus as you can. To go back to that illustration of uh, the Lego before. Now, most of us are not going to be the equivalent evangelists as these Lego masters. But take, for example, uh, my youngest son, Ezra. He's almost two he loves Lego and he loves cars. So when he makes a Lego car, you know what he does? He gets one block, sometimes four wheels, mostly three, puts them together and goes, car, car. All right, he can say one word. Now, he's not saying these exact words, but what he's saying to me, he's like, Dad, look at my car. Look how good it is. Play with me. Look how awesome it is. He doesn't have access to all that stuff yet. But he, sh- he makes his car as he can. And so, friends, as you and I go out and share the gospel, we'll just share Jesus as you can. Now, also, it's helpful to say that we also need to build our understanding too. Like, take Ezra to, to continue the example. If in five years' time, he's coming up to me with Nappy's on, ongoing car with a three-car block wheel, you'd be like, come on, mate. You know, you can do a bit better than that. But in the sense for us, keep growing in this moment. Today, tomorrow, this week, share Jesus as you can and then continue to grow. Continue uh, to develop our trust of Jesus and what it means to share him. So friends, as we go, embrace the gospel. Know it is, think deeply about the person that you're seeking to share with and then share Jesus with them. Share as you can. Continually soak in that gospel. Continue to think about how you can effectively reach them. Give them Jesus. Now, this week in home groups, we're going to, in a sense, do the deep dive in the application of what this sermon was about. And we're going to think deeply and critically about how Paul did it, and then specifically about people, names of people, friends, family, groups of people that you know, who they are, how they think about the world, and how it is the gospel can be relevant to them. So if you're not in a home group, we'd love to connect you in it, not just for this purpose, but for this and more. If you're not in a home group and you can't for some reason... Get a book. Get a book on the way out. Do Study 2. Look at the back of Study 2. Think about how it is that the gospel can relate to your friends and your family and your neighbors. And then as we go, have hope. Have hope, friends. Have hope that Jesus can and is still transforming lives. Rebecca Pippitt, in the beginning of the book, she talks about all these several challenges uh, that you and I face as we go about sharing the gospel with others. She talks about how the cultural climate is very—it's becoming more and more against Christianity. In the West, the number of people who are Christians are declining. The ways that we're doing in the past don't work anymore. There's all these challenges that you and I face uh, as we engage people for the gospel. And she says this, Are Christians ready for this new age? Can we really communicate the gospel effectively? I emphatically say yes. Because though the context and the culture have changed, the power of the gospel has not. The riches and resources that God has given to all Christians are still the same. We can be hopeful and as we share the message that the whole world so desperately needs to hear. Friends, I'm hopeful. I hope you are hopeful too. Jesus is still in the business of transforming people's life. In the business of transforming our life and others' life. To God's glory, our glory, the blessing of this world. And there's still time. We know Jesus will come back again, but he's not here yet. The spirit is here. There's breath in our lungs. We have the opportunity to just be the presence of Jesus wherever we go. To share Jesus as we can. To the glory of God. To the blessing of the people that we reach. And for our joy. So embrace the gospel, know the person who you're trying to reach, and then share Jesus with them. And then we'll see how God uses that. Let me pray. Father, we're so thankful for your gospel, and we're thankful for your wonderful good news centered on Jesus. And we do ask every day that more and more of your truth, your beauty, and your goodness that is found in Jesus will become deeper and deeper part of us, transforming us by your Spirit. Father, we do ask that you help us to be effective and meaningful in how we engage with others as we share Jesus. But ultimately, we trust the work to you. Father, please call people to yourself. Spirit, please bring people into the family
0: of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.